What are you doing over there? Scrolling? No, I was trying to... Okay, here we go. We're good. What do you mean we're good? Were we not good before? No, no, we're good now. What do you mean? Show me. I didn't have our script. I didn't have the script up, and now I've got it. Interesting. You say that like you know what's weird is I open not what you do Google Drive it, and it says you often open this document around the same time each week. What? It's learning your habits. I'm like, well, yeah, dude. All right, let's rock. Here we go in three, two. Jesus, dude, that was you making all that noise over there. Welcome to the Living a Stream podcast, where we chat about movies, shows, and documentaries that we watched on one of the many streaming platforms out there. Hosted by people who are living the dream, our own or someone else's, watching things on a stream, our own or most likely someone else's. We choose a platform and then discuss what we watched using the Jimmy V 1993 SB speech rubric. If the movie makes us laugh, think, and cry, whether tears of joy or sadness, then it's a full movie. And I'm one of your hosts, Eric Harrison. And I'm Josh Perez, and this episode's platform is Netflix. And the movie we're talking about today is The Killing of a Sacred Deer. But before we jump into that, Eric, I have a few questions. Why and why and why are you the way you are? Well, we're going to reverse Uno. Instead of asking how you are, I want to know why you're always sick, dude. I don't know, dude. I'm going back to old Josh where I'm just like, my immune system's just failing, and now I'm like sick every other day, dude. My uh, my limbs are hurting. My bone. Maybe it's just the the thin air, dude. Maybe it's the air pressure because it's starting to snow more out here, and it's just making me think I'm sick. But my lungs do hurt, and uh, I have a sore throat, and it feels like yeah. Oh, so you're COVID hurt. sick? <laughs> hey, we don't you no. Maybe COVID round round two. I don't know. How's have you? How many times have you had it? Uh, I think once or twice. I do it. I dodged I it for it. a long time, dude. I didn't get until I think it was January. It was January 2022, maybe. That's how I feel. We didn't catch it. Kelly and I both got it at the same time in June, July of 2022. That was like how oh, embarrassing. Dang. Like who gets it that late in the pandemic? You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't get chills or aches or anything until about two days in after the sore throat. And I was like, game over, tested positive. I was like, this is embarrassing, man. We're late yeah. into, this, into the game, you know? But look at you now, 2023, almost 2024, catching it. <laughs> well, we don't oh, know. Wait. Mm, we don't know these things. I can things. see it in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. Um, no, dude. I can't see it in anyone's eyes because the video is lagging. Um, Ooh, I love that. But yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, dude. It's just the, uh, the, the sicknesses are going around. Apparently, there's like four things going around right now. COVID flu. There's another like a there's like two other I think like a stomach thing. But so what's wrong with you, dude? Why are you not sick? I should be making fun of you for uh, being healthy. Because I had a coworker who came in sick last week and I did that thing where I was like, oh no, stay away, like joking, but also in the same sense, like actually <laughs> staying away. You know what I'm saying? I actually like, shut the door by, and never. Like, oh, oh, don't get me sick. Like, and then everybody laughs, but like my hands are actually up mm. and I'm like, get the hell away. I don't know, man. Especially when you're at a place like where I work, where you could work from home, stay home. Yeah. Just crack open that laptop in bed if you're that bored. <laughs> Other than being ill, 
and catch at everything that is thrown at you. How was your weekend? How was your week? Yeah, dude, I told you I was sick in confidence. And you're just blasting it out there to everybody. Um, let's see, what did I do this week, dude? It's been good, man. It's it's uh, it's been busy, um, but all good things, dude. Uh, I'm pulling out my calendar real quick. Oh, dude, I watched. I did go to quite a few movies, which has been kind of exciting. Um, What'd you go see? I watched. Uh, Let's see, Napoleon. I, I watched Priscilla since Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, watched Napoleon. Watched Priscilla. Watched Saltburn, and then I think that's it. And then I'm I'm excited to watch uh, Boy, the Boy and the Heron, the new Studio uh, Ghibli um, movie. And Poor Things is coming out this week. I don't. I, and what's the? There's another one that's coming out. And yeah, there's like just a bunch of movies coming out. So I'm really excited. But anyways, it was a good last week, dude. Um, doing a lot of stuff in the off in the off off season i almost said and during this break from school still working on school stuff um gonna write a thesis by by may so still gotta work on that even though the next quarter doesn't start till january but um been running a lot more dude i've been trying to run i think i've almost ran almost every day uh which is cool and exciting and also ridiculous because dude it's freezing like it's getting yesterday the last two days were really nice running weather but the days before that, dude, you can always tell when uh, the on Strava, dude, when the weather's a little too cold because my t- my my miles are faster. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're that's in, incredible. You're in two miles at nine minutes and forty seven seconds, which is not common at all. I usually am in the ten or eleven minute range, and you can just sort of like you can just tell. Oh yeah, that day was an extra cold day. That's why Josh was hustling, but. uh but yeah, dude, uh, not bad, not bad. Just trying to catch up, catch up on on work. Um, it's been, yeah, just it just feels like it's been just as busy, but I'm just a little less stressed about things. But I feel just as 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 busy, which is kind of wild. But dude, and I've been reading. Have you heard of the Fourth Wing, the series? Oh, uh-uh. did I already talk about this on the podcast? I don't think so. I keep forgetting about stuff about dragons, dude. And you bond to dragons and you get superpowers. Um, what? It's a really good book. Uh, the world building's cool, and then it turns out the the author is a woman from Colorado Springs, so she's like somewhat local here. Um, but it is a little smutty. Um, that one took mm. me for a loop. <laughs> it was like I was not expecting uh some of that, but it's it is a very good book. It's a good series. So I've been reading the the second book. Um, outside of the what is that uh. Court of Thorn and Roses, that fantasy but slash smut book. Yes, everyone's series. into that right now. I have not read those ones. Have you? I started, yeah, I'm about 100 pages into one of them. Is it good? Um, I really like it so far. Kelly will make fun. It, it, it took me a minute to get into reading fantasy because the last okay. fantasy I read was The Lord of the Rings. Okay. 15 years ago, you know? So, but no, I like it a lot. I mean, it's, it's great. The fourth wing, just in a quick Google search, looks similar. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know much about the court, the court of thorns and roses, but I've, I mean, a lot of people say really good things about them. Uh, the, yeah, the, the fourth wing is very easy, very easy, like page turner read kind of thing. You can cruise through. It's a bigger mm-hmm. book, it's like four hundred plus pages, five hundred pages, but um, it's really interesting. I don't know. I get lost. I like. I like those uh, dystopian or like fantasy esque, you know, type books, and so I've been really 
really enjoying that in my downtime, dudes. But um, yeah. Would you have a lot of since you're sick every week? Excuse me? <laughs> Dude, do you remember getting sick as a kid and you felt like the days were like 48 hours long and you can watch Prices Right yeah. for eight episodes straight and it's still not even lunchtime? That's how you feel right now? Now you get sick and I'm like sad because it just goes by really quick. Do you enjoy being sick? Do I enjoy being sick? What am I, a masochist? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no. <laughs> do I enjoy being sick? I mean, not really. Like, I don't like how I feel, but I do. This is going to sound really sad. Um, I do enjoy that it makes me very present in that I'm like, I don't care about anything. I'm sick and I don't feel good. And nothing is more important right now than me surviving. And I really like that aspect of being sick. <laughs> Okay, not stressed. Do you have a go-to? Well, I know you said you've been reading these books, but is there a go-to thing? Like when you're in the thick of it and just feeling terrible, like TV show you put on, music you put on, like something you do, because for us when we're sick, like it was Kelly's thing and it slowly became my thing over the years, is friends. Just oh. throw on friends and fall asleep. Like yeah, that is like in the thick of it, when you are truly like bedridden, that's like the jam. Throw on a couple of seasons of friends and just zone out. Do you have something like that or is it you're reading currently? Uh, dude, if I'm too sick, if I'm in the thick of it, I, I can't read. Reading is tough. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, it's usually not, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, a TV show. It's it's usually a movie that I've seen a bunch of times. Uh, that Which I is just what? Throw like, what are your rewatchable movies in those moments? Social Network, Pulp Fiction. It was Molly's Game for a long time when it was on, on Netflix. Uh, they took it off and I don't think it's streaming anywhere else, but um Inglorious Bastards pretty pretty much any Tarantino movie um anything that yeah the social network I can almost watch anytime anytime of whether I'm sick mm. trying to go to sleep not you know healthy that one's a, a very highly rewatchable and it's streaming right now both on Netflix and YouTube for free <laughs> before it came out to Netflix I was just on YouTube watching it all the time I don't know how long it's going to last on uh, someone uploaded it, I think, or I don't know if YouTube was on HBO for a while, then Netflix and YouTube. Um, what about you, dude? How's your week been? Uh, hopefully better than everything's mine. been great. Definitely not been. I have not gone for runs since early October because I'm a convenience runner in the sense that like, if the weather's nice, I'm on it. So yeah, it has been a few months. So kudos to you for running cold weather. doesn't make me run faster. It makes me not run at all. But we're still, um, I've been on this like year long, not year long. I started in April health kick. So I haven't had a drink of alcohol since I hadn't since Kelly's birthday in July. And then we had my company Christmas party Saturday. So I had uh, a cider. So that was my first time since July. I just, I don't know, just been for whatever reason, eating healthy, drinking lots of water. Um, so that's been kind of nice actually, but not running. Definitely no running. It's too cold. <laughs> and I know it's not as cold here. Well, like the weather, like sometimes it's in, we're in the 50s, sometimes we're in 30s. It's miserable. I, can, I never know. And so if I wake up and the vibes are off, I'm not going for a run. And the vibes have been off since October. That's fair. But yeah, you kind, you kind of do have to. party was a blast. Am I lagging? Josh just off the record texted me and said, nobody wants to hear about the company party. So I'm going <laughs> to stop talking about it now. Get the hell out of here, dude. No, everyone, dude, if anything, here, if anything, dude, I want to hear about company parties. Well, 
I guess it could go either way because my company parties is just, it's just me. It's just me hanging out with me. And I'm always jealous when my friends who work for actual companies, they're like, oh, we're going to this company party and we get drinks or we get food. And there's all these cool people. And I'm like, just hanging out in my room for my company party. Ordering yourself coffee. some Uber Eats, margarita to go. No, it was good. It was fun. We we danced, had a good time. Uh, yeah, it was it was a blast. We was we went with some friends. What else happened? We were gonna go see a movie. At, we wanted to go see that Thanksgiving movie, that slasher by Eli Roth. Oh, you, didn't end up going. Yeah. We need to go. I mean, yeah, no, no, you don't. You don't need to go to that. Why? You've been watching the movie we're discussing today. We had what? October. Josh, Why the movie we're talking about today is a horror movie. Your choice. I had no doing in that. You lit. Here's the deal, everybody. Josh puts on this front, like, if the movie's bad, it's my choice. If it's good, it's his choice. He has picked every movie in this entire podcast series in one way or another <laughs> by blatantly coming out and saying, we're doing this movie or saying, hey, uh, I recently watched this one. Uh, it, it could be a good option. And then I'm like, all right me then like you know <laughs> screw me and so that's what happened with killing of a sacred deer i've been asking him to watch it for six years since it came out and he said no and then just i get a text the other day hey i watched killing of a sacred deer we should do that one soon that's well, not <laughs> you are such a liar it, i i literally oh. have a text do i not show him show him it says killing of a sacred deer next week question mark <laughs> that's because I was confirming that you'd pick that. I didn't pick this movie. You said you didn't want to do any more horror. The real the real text message says, I think I'm going to choose Big Lebowski after Killing of the Sacred Deer, your choice, because I've never seen it and about to watch it for the first time. That's what the message actually says. And yeah, you so know you what you responded to and the Big, Big Lebowski? Lebowski? But you know what you said to the Big Lebowski? Nothing. You didn't respond. You're like, Josh... I don't want to watch that. Just going to ghost you, and we're going to move on with our lives. Absolutely. Well, so let's speaking get into of, this uh, pick. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of it, um, this is Eric's pick, but I actually enjoyed it. So, Killing of the Sacred Deer, streaming on Netflix. Is, Netflix description reads: A surgeon's carefully curated life edges towards disaster when a troubled teenage boy with mysterious motives begins to impose himself on his family. Uh, the Killing of a Sacred Deer is a mystery and thriller slash horror film. It's got a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, quite a few, re it's 281 reviews and 10,000 plus audience ratings. And that one was 63% for the audience score, which I think this got a lot of buzz. I think a lot of people were talking about it. Um, it was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos and written by Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, sorry if I'm butchering your name, Yorgos. And also, sorry, Ephthimus Philippou uh, co-wrote it with Yorgos uh, Lathamos. And I, it, he's been doing a lot of stuff. A lot of, He's made a lot of movies, a lot of shorts, a lot of videos. But I think these are like a part of a series of the, some of his first uh, like American maybe or United States distributed films. Um, I had watched The Lobster before this, um, but then skipped over Killing of Sacred Deer um, and most of his other uh, recent work, like um, The Favorite. And then apparently Poor Things is supposed to be one of the best movies of the year, also directed by 
Yorgos Lanthimos. So um, after this movie, I was like, I should probably check it out. But anyways, back to Killing the Sacred Deer. The cast, it stars Colin Farrell, uh, Denise Dalvera, Rafi Cassidy, Bill Camp, uh, Barry Keoghan, Nicole Kidman, Sonny Soljic, Alicia Silverstone, and others. Um, yeah. At this point? Yeah. At I this don't... point, do we have to consider Colin Farrell like a top 10 actor over the last 20 years? Because I'm like oh. thinking about it. He's got his movies like SWAT, Phone Booth, you know, these like fun action movies. What but do you mean? Banshees, Those are cinema. Phone Booth is incredible. Phone Booth is amazing. But like then he's it's got a great movie. The Lobster, his Penguin and the Batman, Banshees, the Gentleman. I mean, there's so many. I don't know. He's great. I feel like Colin Farrell. Yeah. I don't know if I talk about him in my top three, top five. But he should be, and he's definitely been in my. I, I think he's phenom- I think he's a great actor, and I think he is a top ten uh, actor for sure, dude. Freaking, um, he was in Minority Report, wasn't he? The he was the yep. an antagonist or the evil person in it. Um, dude, Daredevil. Do you remember when he was throwing paper clips into a dartboard? Worst movie ever, but excuse he was great. me, you of what all people are going to say me? that that's the worst movie. Daredevil is absolutely terrible absolutely trash you love ben affleck you you last week you said My you were a stand exactly. for ben affleck i'm a stand for ben affleck but he that movie is just bad do you know how many great Man. movies he has armageddon Man. i thought you were right argo I, come on i need to rewatch argo i'm not sure if i was the biggest fan of it it's a good movie but that being said colin farrell is dude in Bruges? In Bruges is one of my. I want, I want him to work with, uh, um, uh, Martin Martin McDonough. I think that's his name, right? Did I say that right? McDonough. Um, he's the one that did uh Seven Psychopaths. So he was in Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and Banshees of Inisherin. And well, Colin Farrell wasn't in Three Billboards, but yes, he did. Oh, but Mar- I, oh I thought you were talking about Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I just think him and 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 uh, Colin Farrell are incredible together. I really like when they're doing stuff. Um, and then, but yeah, Barry no, Keegan, I mean, man? The Lobster, the Lobster. I need to rewatch the Lobster. I think I've only watched like seventy five percent of it. But um, I thought his performance in this one, The Killing of Sacred Deer, is great. I think my favorite is, I mean, maybe it's recency bias, but the Banshees of uh, Inna Sharon, dude, he deserved it. He deserved the awards. Yeah. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Barry Keegan. Hold on here. Because he's been... I, he was so... I, I was so uncomfortable with him on screen through this entire movie. Just from the jump. Wait. You, you've seen... You, this was not your first watch, correct? Uh, correct. Correct. I've seen this before. When, when did you watch it the first time? Uh, 2018, maybe. It's been about four or five years. It's been oh. a while. So this was a oh, rewatch wow. that felt great. Okay. The was this the first thing, the first time you've seen Barry uh, Keoghan in anything? When I watched it originally, yes, dude. He, this was an incredible performance. I need to. St- I need a. We need to phone a friend with Sarah. We need to call Sarah in here and find a new word for incredible. I've been saying it too much. I need to. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hold on. Widen my vocabulary here. This performance was beyond belief. It was marvelous, implausible, dazzling. 
Sublime. Sublime. Sorry, I was just thinking about Barbie. <laughs> Wait, did you just text Sarah? And she told you all that? Uh, I looked up incredible synonyms. Dude, I think the first uh, Dunkirk and then American Animals were the first uh, movies I saw Barry in. And uh, in Chernobyl, I, I saw him in Chernobyl. And I think that's when I was like, oh yeah, I like, I like this dude. Uh, and then The Green Knight, even though the, I didn't really like The Green Knight, but I thought Barry's performance in The Green Knight was, uh, what was those words? Superb. Um, what do you mean Chernobyl? He's in Chernobyl. He's one of the... Um, I That series was fantastic. I yeah. forgot about that. He was one of the, the people that had to go shoot the dogs that were, yeah, that's that right. were um, infected by the radiation. That was a while ago. Yeah, about four years ago. Yeah, this was the first time I had seen him. And what a performance, dude. What a, like, what a performance to be uh, introduced to him by. Because, dude, I uh, have you seen Saltburn yet? No, have not you yet. heard of Saltburn? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you and I were talking about it last time. Oh, that's right. That's right. Dude, so him being a, a lead in that and then just go, watching that one recently and then going back to the the killing the sacred deer was a really really fun way to experience the his earlier performance because I think he was pretty young. I think he was like 24 when when that one uh was done versus you know, recently, recently, this one, I think he's like 31, 30 or 31 when they filmed uh, Saltburn. So just seeing that span uh, and not and still seeing like an, like a, a, a great amount of talent on the screen was really cool. That's how Sonny was. I think he was 13, 12 or 13 in this movie. Dude, Sonny I was in the killing of a sacred deer. Dude, I didn't know. I always thought that his first thing was mid 90s. And because I think, right, he's a skater in real life or he skates in real mm -hmm. life. So yeah. I always thought that he just happened to be a skater that happened or he was a skater that happened to do, want to do acting or get, he got, was found by um, the mid nineties crew, uh, Jonah Hill. Oh yeah. Maybe. But, but yeah, apparently he's been doing acting and he, before that, and he does, he did great, dude. I did not, I, child acting is so interesting to me. Um, because this movie's so dark, the material's so dark, the material's so heavy. How, yeah, how do you, they, those, they were children, dude. I'm pretty sure the the daughter was like 14 uh, and Sonny must have been a couple years younger than her, like in real life. Yep. Close yeah, that mind, scene dude. where his eyes start start bleeding or when he's taped up on the couch, like that's oh, still dude. a 12-year-old child, although it's acting, I always think that. I'm like, you know, I watch Insidious any of these movies, these horror movies, or these like demonic movies, I'm like, these are still they're they're still kids in real life. Like the Boogeyman recently watched. I, yeah. I watched the, the the remake. Like these are still like I, I know there's probably 30 people in the room when they're filming these intense scenes, right? And the makeup artists and there's the craft table right outside the room. But still, it's like a do they watch the movie? It's rated R. Like right? does Sonny at 12 years old watch himself? get blown away on TV on, on the big screen. Yeah. Well, I guess Wait. that's a good point. Um, <laughs> did we, did we that's a good spoil the movie? Did just we now? Eric, you spoil we... it every week. Oh yeah, you're right. It's my fault. No, it's okay. Cause yeah, we're, the movies are always going to get ruined, but I think, I guess maybe putting, putting it more in context. So like 
The thing that was, it was interesting about this movie, and I thought they did really well, was not, I didn't know very much about anything about this movie and the storyline. Um, Eric told me to watch it like a couple years ago, and I watched the first like 37 seconds and I turned it off because it was the inside of a, like a human body on on the surgery, the, was it the operating table? And I was like, dude, I'm not going to watch this movie. I can see Oregon. It was, yes, not a, it's not a, a comfortable opening scene. But anyway, so I turned it off. So I didn't know much other than that. So watching this, I'm like, oh, yes. Okay. So I remember this. He's a surgeon and it opens up with operation on the, someone getting operated on. And then, yeah, they did a good job of like, what, who is this kid? Like I watched it with um, the roomie, New Mexico Drew, and we kept chatting about like, who is this kid? Um, his theory was at first was that he was like his son or a strange son or a son from another mm -hmm. marriage because he's kept meeting with them and he keeps him separate from, you know, his family. But then he introduced him to his family. So then there goes that. But then, dude, the the revelation after the the Sonny's leg stops working, right? And after uh, Barry's character, uh, Mar Martin, that's his name, right? Martin in the movie? Yeah. Uh, Martin tells tells Colin Farrell, like, hey, here's what's going to happen. Your kids are going to, like, die. And then you killed one of my family members. Now you have to kill one of your own to balance thing out. That scene was so wild. And it just made everything else kind of fall into place where I'm like, oh, this is why he's buying him stuff, taking him to dinner, taking him under his wing, kind of show, showing him around because he no longer has a father. And there's a part where he says where... The anesthesiologist, it can go wrong. The surgeon's never to blame, but the, the anesthesiologist is always to blame. And then there's the other scene where the anesthesiologist, one of his close friends from work, says the opposite. And he says the surgeon's always to blame. Do you feel like he was doing all of that? Like, was it obvious to you that like, all of that stuff was out of guilt? Or do you feel like it was out of guilt? The first time around, I don't think it was so Like, rewatching it, because again, there were, there were key scenes that I'd forgotten about like that scene was so gripping again, even the second time. And like, even the, we're calling Farrell and Nicole Kidman, where she's like general anesthetic and he's like general anesthetic and she lays down and they have this weird fetish. Do you remember that in the beginning? Like he likes to have sexual intercourse with someone who he's fantasizing is on general anesthetic. Do you remember uh, that scene in the beginning? That's what's happening. Yeah. So that like it's sense. a sick fantasy. So anyway, stuff like that I had forgotten about. So the first time around, no, I don't think it was clicking like when I had seen the, the, the second watch, like absolutely, because I, I knew in advance who Barry Keegan's character was. But that, I, I was just looking up images and some of these scenes are absolutely like just looking at the pictures in and of themselves. Like I just pulled up one of Sonny when he's wiping his eyes after his eyes start to bleed oh, and he's in the hospital dude. and just, dude, just gruesome images. This is going to sound bad, but I was really hoping, and I knew it wasn't going to get there, but I was really hoping they would find a solution before that stage would happen. Because, yeah, he tells them, he, <laughs> when Martin told them, yeah, it's going to happen in four stages. You're going to you're gonna be paralysis of the, of the legs. Then you're going to uh, refuse food to the point of starvation. Three, stage three is going to be the bleeding of the eyes in stage four is going to die. And then as soon as your eyes start bleeding, you only have a few hours left or something. I was, I was really like, I really don't want to see, <laughs> I really don't want to see that. Um, as far as like the movie being 
the aspects of the movie being, a, if it, if it's a full movie, that was the part where I think I almost, I was, I almost teared. Like that hurt so much. The, the, the bleeding the eyes and how calm he was and how chill the daughter's just like, Hey, Bob is dying. It, it was oh, just so deflating, was... dude. I was so sad. Did you laugh? And he's just sitting there and he's just sitting there like, you know, cleaning his eyes. The dad is. And he's like talking to him about his best friends. That's why, like, again, you go back to child acting. Like, Sunny did such an amazing job, but that was that was, I yeah, oh, that scene was brutal. Bob well, and died. then even oh. even before that, when the 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 whole family seemed to be believing, right? They believed Martin before the dad. Everyone was on board with like, hey, this is what's happening. We are paralyzed. We're refusing to eat. And we're soon, our eyes are going to start bleeding. And I think that when the son crawled, dragged himself out of his bed, crawled to get scissors and started cutting his own hair because his dad wanted him to cut his own hair. And then when he's like, okay, now I'm going to go water the plants. I'm going to go do my chores. And he's just crawling. Oh, dude, it was, that was, it was tough, dude. It was a tough, because uh, part of me, did you think he was doing that because he was trying to win? He was trying to be in the good favor of his dad so his dad doesn't choose him to die? Or do you think... Yeah, it, and that was, an, that was another thing that was brutal, right? Was, was when... What's her name? Nicole Kidman's character? Nicole Started Kid trying to convince him? Nicole Kidman's character? Yeah. Anna? Yeah, like... Because if you remember, uh, it, I think it was in one of the opening scenes, it seemed like father and son didn't have... The, not that it was a bad relationship, but he was like, you need a haircut. He's like, dad, I want to get one. He's talking about a party. He's like, I'll get it after the party. So like, I don't want to say they built tension in their relationship, but yeah, it was probably like, hey, I better pick it up. And then in the next, there, there were multiple scenes because there was another scene where they were sitting in his daughter's room. She was doing some singing lessons. And I would almost say it seemed like he favored his daughter a little bit because he's like, you need to be watering mm. the plants. So yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what was happening is he was saying like, well, on the limited screen, time that we saw them interact, it's like he probably he favored his daughter a little bit. So that's probably what he was trying to do. Oh, dude, that was gut-wrenching. I don't think it was a full movie for me because I don't think I laughed. Am, am I a terrible person to tell you that there was, <laughs> there was a couple when of When did you laugh? Not because it was just, it was absurd. It was when they were in the hospital and uh, the daughter stood up out of her bed to go to the window to see Martin. And she's waving out the window and he's, she's telling him to come up and he's like, no, I'm not going to come up. Your dad's there and all that. And then Sonny goes, or the, what's Sonny's character in the movie? Uh, Bob. Um, yeah. Bob was like, I want to stand up too. And he just rolls out of bed and just hits the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> you sick bastard. I, it wasn't funny. Like I wasn't laughing cause it was supposed to be funny. And I, I was just laughing cause it, Dude, the kid just literally just was like, I'm going to try to stand. And then his legs aren't working, but he went full. He just full sent it, dude. And then, and then he's dying, there was a Josh. Couple, I know that, Eric, but it's a movie. No, um, it is a movie, but it was. It, that, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it caught me off guard. I didn't, I didn't want to laugh at all during this whole movie. But there was just these little things that were just so ridiculous. Like that was like, there's no way that just happened. Like when the dad, when, when Colin Farrell's, uh, taking, was what what's Colin Farrell's name? Steven. When Steven, the yeah. dad is taking Bob 
and just dropping him in the hallway. He's like, hey, well, you're going to walk. And he's like picking him up and he's just dropping him. It's not funny, but it's funny. Like, it's like absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what you're, you're like, holy. Yeah. Those parts make me laugh. Like, I, it was more laughter of like, I can't believe I'm watching this happen right now. The, the dialogue and everything was so, I couldn't, I was so uncomfortable from the, 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 the start of the movie. Uh, but I have a question and maybe I'm dumb, but was this like a, like a medical did he do something to them physically? Did or was it like a curse? Like, what what was your vibe there? Because I know I had read something about oh, there was an argument if it was like, like he, yeah. did he curse their family with some like voodoo or witchcraft, or was it more like hey he he they drank something they ate something that caused this? Which being that the rest of the movie didn't have a supernatural feel, that's where my mind went. But then I got frustrated at like no, they would have found a cause or found a cure, but there was nothing yeah. else that seemed to be like a supernatural. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it was an odd, I think that definitely was a, an odd thing where the, most of the movie was mo, like a quote unquote, like normal world, right? Yeah. Like it was, you're just peering into the life of this family, surgeon, random 16 year old kid, you know, that's, when I guess not random, uh, the, the son of a patient, right? And so... I'm not sure. I kept thinking maybe the lemonade. My brain did because he kept talking about my mom just made this lemonade. And it's really good. You should try this lemonade. But then I'm like, I don't know if they all drank it. I, I'm leaning more towards yeah, exactly like dark supernatural forces kind of thing. And the thing that I think about this movie specifically when it comes to that too is that because it's based on that tragedy, um, which I can't pronounce either. The tragedy of starts with an iphigenia if the greek mythology yeah and i so i think uh, i don't i'm gonna get so dragged for that i p h i g e n i a um it's someone's uh someone's kid and they have to sacrifice their kid um oh yeah you know Ag agamemnon and the war and you know troy and all that stuff and so the greek tragedy so i think because it's based on this greek tragedy i think some things just aren't gonna be like the logically not gonna make sense other than it's a it's a modern version of that tragedy if that makes sense so i think i don't know like for me i just kind of was like oh, okay i think it just happened and it's not it's gonna yeah. break all rules it's I don't know who's There's in not control. Be a lot to I don't know. Explanation. If, yeah, I don't think I don't know if and there that and I feel like that might be like a, a a hole or like a it. Some people might not like that because it doesn't have any resolution. Like you don't know if he. Yeah, did he cast a spell? Did he? You know, did he summon something or did he uh, do anything other than just know that this is happening? And so, I'm not sure. Um, but that's what I chalked it up for my own experience was that, yeah, it's based on this tragedy. And so things are just gonna, cause things are just gonna not make sense. Cause even at the end, right. Cause so they, they, when Bob's, when Bob's eyes start bleeding and they're like, okay, he only has a few hours. He tapes them up, right? That's what you were mentioning. He tapes them up. He puts pillowcases over their heads and then he puts a mask over his own head and he randomly spins in a circle with a rifle and just randomly shoots until one of them ends up catching the bullet, right? And so in my mind, I was instantly thinking like, what, they're just gonna disappear? And like, like he's a doctor, right? Like 
why doesn't he use access to some sort of medicine or some kind of like shooting one of his family members and making them disappear seems like like it's not gonna be possible. Like his family, his school, they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, that, you know, Bob just disappeared. But then I was like, but it's a movie that where things aren't gonna make sense. And it's more about the the theme and the Greek tragedy and the play on that that I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Like that's okay. Some things aren't gonna make sense, but that's okay. Speaking of movies that end in that way, are, can you think of movies or your favorite movies or any movies that just have a terrible ending in the sense that they have no resolution or they're, they, they're like, there's no happy ending. There's no resolution to it. Cause my, my first thought is always no country for old men. Like just piss me off. Like, again, this is a separate category of movie. It's not supernatural, but you are not satisfied at the end of that movie in any way, shape or form. So like, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Parasite, right? Like just these movies that just tragic. Wait, Okay, real quick though. Wait, why why do you not like the ending of No Country for Old Men? What do you mean? And I think we're gonna I think we're gonna ruin this movie. So if you don't <laughs> if you don't want this movie ruined, but yeah, because I'm the just, only I'm curious. What do you mean? The only truly innocent person is I, I forget the character's name. The the wife. And when you see him walk out of the house, when he flips the coins, so right, he flips the coins as choose. He checks his feet for blood, indicating that he killed her. Everybody else, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily, like there were innocent people that died along the way. A lot of it was like mutual combat, right? Woody Harrelson's character, like mutual combat. When they die, you're not super bummed. It's like, imagine if he killed the gas station clerk in No Country for Old Men. You'd be crushed. He's just an innocent bystander. What's his name? What's her name? Do you think it was a happy I'm, ending? No, no, no. I don't think it was a happy ending. And I don't, and I agree when Anton that some kills things... Carla. Her name is Carla. His name is Carla. Anton. When he kills Carla, Chigar. she's just chilling. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. Like in our world, like if that movie was not a movie, the yes, it's all very, no, it's not a happy ending. And it's very sad. I think though, within the movie though, within that story, I thought it was a good ending. Not saying that I was happy that, a, that Carla got dusted but i think that was kind of the point that he was trying to make that like it's not how do i say um there there he flips a coin it's just fate it's like hey it's like almost like he is pretty detached from from right and wrong or like he's like no it's just i flipped the coin and the thing that i think is if it landed on the on on the other side he would have let her live and so I don't, that's what, he did the same thing with the gas station, right? I think that's what sets up that aspect very well is that he's like, call it, call it. This is the most important thing you can do with your life. And he flips the coin and then he lets the gas station person live. And so when it, when it comes to her, you're like, oh, he's going to flip. If he flips the coin and she calls it right, she will live. And I think they just, the 50% chance or whatever the odds are of flipping a coin, it was like, oh, okay, nothing, nothing against you, but I, I'm going to do this. And so oh, get, I'm not, great. I'm not saying that I'm happy about innocent people dying. I'm just saying the ending in terms of the movie and the theme and just r- what's going on in that movie. I think it makes sense. I like the ending. It sounds like you're happy she died. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Great movie. You're right. <laughs> because I wish I just wouldn't know. I wish they would have left it up and I wish it would have been, I don't want to see him check his feet. I want him to walk out and us never know, but you're right. But that it plays into the theme of it. 
Yeah, and I think even though you um, like innocent people dying, I won't. I won't ruin it. I won't say exactly what's going on, but I really, really enjoyed the most recent Nick Cage movie, that uh, Dream Scenario, and I think this movie might be in that realm for a lot of people. But anyways, I'll leave it at that. But go watch Dream Scenario; it's really good. Um, Dream Scenario. I'm trying to think of any other movies where I was like not happy about the ending. Because I don't know. I mean, a lot of people talk about right Inception. Like, was it a dream? Was it not a dream? The spinning top. Uh, but I like that. But that's stuff. a little I different like because not... it's like I. You don't know with Inception. You truly don't know. Everyone can guess with No Country for Old Men. There's no guessing. He's looking for blood on the bottom of his shoe. I. I want. I would prefer an ambiguous ending. I guess, but you still kind of don't know. They don't show it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, that's fair, dude. I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't know if I have a movie off the top of my head where I'm like, oh, that ending was. I'm, I know they exist. I know I have. I've watched somewhere. I was just like, wait, there's no way that movie can just end right there. But they're just not coming to my head right now. Wait, while I think about that though, because I do have a question. Um, so yeah, because going back to what you were saying about the killing the sacred deer and playing favorites. I think the, the so uh, Drew and I were talking this morning. Drew was sharing a lot of his thoughts about it. And I thought it was super interesting that, 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 like, kind of like what you're saying, like, he, he favored his daughter, and then the mom seemed to favor Bob, the son, and the, about his hair and wanting correction. And, like, I think yeah. they, they did have this very, very, um, orderly life, right? I think even the description on Netflix said that, right? The, yeah. That they had a very curated life. And so uh, I think that one one of the things that he was talking to, or Drew was mentioning, he's like, do you think it's like the the point or the thing, the through line is how far were you willing to go to absolve your own guilt? Because at first I was like, I don't know why he's meeting with this person. But then when you find out he, he w used to drink and he operated on his dad while he was, after having two drinks, that, you know, he feels guilty. He's been sober for a few years. And I'm like, I'm wondering if he feels so guilty. That's why he's like buying him food and buying him a watch and taking him to get ice cream and telling him like, hey, I want to meet my family. But, but um, in his own personal life, he favors his daughter. And then his, the mom favors, I think, Bob. And then, but dude, the wild thing though, was when the mom was like, hey, I think we should take a kid's life because we can always make another kid. That was nuts, dude. Oh, um, yeah. As a parent, this is this might get dark, but I just am like, as a parent, how did that like, do, do you, did you, do you avoid putting yourself in those scenarios as a parent? Or is it, are you instantly like, did this movie put you in that thought of like, wait, I'm a dad, what the hell would I do? Um, or do you just like, this, no, I'm a dad and this I'm gets, gonna avoid. This is like super, super dark. But my, my mind initially went to, and like they didn't, unless I'm wrong, unless I missed it in both watches, say if this would absolve everything. My, and I'm assuming it wouldn't just based on, maybe I'm drunk. Anyways, my thought was like, <laughs> take his own life. Mm. Right? And so yeah. like, I don't think that would satisfy Steven. I mean, not Steven. Um, Martin. Martin. I don't think it satisfied Martin because the idea was like, make you feel the way I felt, which was losing somebody I love. And so I think that's like the cheap way out. But to, that was my, where my first thought went is like, 
you're suffering for the sins of your father. Why should you have to do that? He can take that blame and punishment. Again, in the context of the movie, he didn't bring that up, did he? Did he what? Did he bring that up that like you can't kill yourself? No, but he he did say you won't get sick and don't. He goes, don't worry, you won't get sick and you won't die. So that was yeah. So okay. So see again, I think he's not a part of it. That like Stephen can kill himself. That's where my mind would go. Well, same. That was my first instinct. Is like, oh, if you just Stephen just takes his own life, then it's all. But I'm I was afraid though. I'm like, wait, but if he does that, all three of those, his whole family will die because he's not. Yeah, because he's not involved with it. Because he tells him, he's like, hey, you need to you need to choose a family member and don't worry, you won't get sick. You will be okay. You won't die. And I think because, okay, so my theory is that if Martin, Martin's like, hey, you need to balance this. You need to balance this, what yeah. happened. You you killed a fa- one of my family members. Now I, I'm going to, you have to choose to kill one of yours. And so I, I, and I think because Martin has to keep living living uh without his dad i do not think i think that loophole of of steven taking his own life would not satisfy whatever the whatever this deal is going on because martin still has to live without his dad and then steven taking his own life is not him suffering in the same way that that martin is because when he is tied up when when steven kidnaps uh martin and he bites him and then he bites himself cuz he he bites uh, Steven enough to where he harms him and he's bleeding and then he bites himself in the same way. And he goes, it's a metaphor. It's like you, you have this and I have this now. And so I think that was kind of them speaking to this idea that like, we are going to suffer whatever happened to me needs to happen to you. And we need to keep living with these scars and this suffering that's moving forward. So I don't, mm. uh, and so I was like, still, I was like, well, Steven could do that. And then at least he won't see his family suffer, but I think they would still suffer. Is my theory. See, I, I don't think that would yeah, have been that, an option. Yeah, they didn't explicitly say that, but that's that's where that's where my mind went, and that's where it stayed. Okay, it was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think you disappeared, and Eric is gone. Hello. Oh, there you are. Eric is back. Eric is back. Yeah. No, that. Do you think that there's ever a situation where you would be, or have you ever felt the need? to inflict revenge in the way Martin did for anything. No. Like, I, obviously, this is extreme. <laughs> uh, like, no. not voodoo poisoning a family, but, like... Um, no, I don't, I don't think I've ever... I, I don't think I've ever, I've ever felt vengeful. At least in... in my older years, <laughs> maybe not since, I don't know if I've, you know, you know, when you're a kid and you feel that anger and kids say yeah. this stuff, I don't remember. I'm like, I don't know about any of that, but I don't know. Not, not in my, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm a very, like, I need to get back at everyone. If anything, I think people need to get back at me is what <laughs> my mind always goes. I'm like whatever happened, it's probably my fault. So, um, it's, but no, I, I don't know. Have you, have you ever felt like I need a plot? I don't think so. I, like you said, maybe when, yeah, when you're really young, I can't imagine a scenario that I've had that made me feel vengeful. Like I need to get back to you and make you feel what I felt. 
there's so many feelings of like, oh, you know, when you had, when, I don't know, like you want to prove people wrong or do this and that, but never like, you're going to feel how I felt, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was always like pranks or something like with my brother or like with family, but yeah, I'm not sure. That's a, that's a good question. But yeah, I don't think I've ever been like, yeah, I need to, you know, cut your brake lines or something. How about in the sense of guilt? Not that Have I felt guilty? What, in the way that he, like, not oh, in the way yeah. that Stephen got drunk and killed somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a dramatic way oh, like that, yeah. where he would was almost making it like a lifelong mission of atoning for his sin. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, yeah, that's a common, that's a common feeling. Like, I'm in debt to people, and I need to, like, I feel guilty, and I need to do stuff and pay them back or give them give like do things to like i don't know even out even it out because i feel indebted um not because i yeah like you said not because i like killed a family member or anything but um yeah sometimes i just i don't know feel bad do you feel like you have that thought more than normal or a normal amount because i feel like sometimes i feel it an abnormal amount i've said normal and abnormal one too many times in the last 30 seconds but I feel sometimes I like I'm overly guilty when maybe the other person doesn't even care anymore. It's like I'm yes. the only one who's even thinking about the situation sometimes. Oh yeah, no, that's a very yeah because I think I think yeah I'll I'll think about stuff that I did 17 days ago and I'm worried about it and I feel bad about it and then when I finally you know muster up the courage to to say hey I'm sorry about that they more often than not they look at me like wait what are you apologizing for. Yeah, yeah. From like, how long about? ago? Like, Josh, I don't care. I do find myself apologizing a lot more and hearing people say, Josh, you don't need to be so apologetic. Like, stop, stop apologizing mm -hmm. about things. Um, but I think that, that, and not, I know I'm like always obsessing about the Enneagram and not that I'm trying to justify these are the things that, like, this justifies me continuing to live the way that I am. I think it does give insight though to, why I always feel that way and how I can help uh, not like how I can help not carrying this weight all the time. Like, it's not something to say like, well, Josh is a four, like I'm an Enneagram four. Therefore, like this is just who I am and I'm going to keep living this way. But I think me being a, a, my core number being an Enneagram four, I think speaks a lot of, to that guilt, those emotions, how I feel internally. And maybe because I think you took it that one time, right? I think yours. Yeah. I think you were a two. Not that I not that I expect you to remember every all the things about those things, but two, twos, threes, and fours are in the same like heart emotional triad. So I think you and I are might, you know, we have connections in a lot of ways and how we feel about empathy and compassion and 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 feeling the weight of emotion. And so maybe that's why you and myself could often feel like, oh shoot, three weeks later, I'm still thinking about something. But then other people are just like, Josh, I'm moved on. Like I'm I don't care about that as much. Um, it is something yeah, I need to work on. Yeah, one of my drawbacks. I, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, I, that's something I can I need to work on. But uh, you're saying one of your drawbacks? I just Googled Enneagram 2 because I think you're right. And one of the drawbacks is often needing approval or satisfaction from their peers. And so I think that aligns up a little bit with that where like, yeah, I overthink about how I said something in the moment of interactions, I'm very confident with how I interact with people, strangers, people at work, my family, 
I feel like I'm a good communicator, but then it's afterwards. I'm like, if I would have rearranged the words here, if I would have said this better there, I may have prevented this and prevented mm. this, preventing this as in something that probably not is on anybody else's mind, but my own. But yep. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather be on this dramatic side than the other dramatic side of somebody who's not empathetic, who's cold, who isn't concerned about other people's emotions. So I, I, that's one of those things, like you said, like, oh, Josh is a four. This is how he acts. It's like, well, you know what? I, I, I think I'd rather be in the category that we're in. <laughs> if, if we're extreme, because, you know, like, I'd rather be on this extreme, I guess. Right. No, and it, it's true. And I know it's a, for at least for me, I feel similarly. And I know it's more of a, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm used to apologizing all the time that I'm like, yeah, I'd rather apologize for being too dramatic and too intense than, yeah, being too detached. At the same time, the work that both, whatever side you find yourself on that spectrum, there's still work to be done, to, I think, to move towards a more realistic or for myself, I guess, a more realistic way to interact with people because, yeah, living in these like false made up fantasy narrative worlds of people don't like me and people are still thinking about that thing that I did three weeks ago. And those aren't real. That's not a good, healthy way to live. But I agree with oh, for you sure. I sometimes think I'd rather be living in that world than just moving through life thinking like, oh, I, I didn't do anything wrong ever. And I don't need to worry about any like my thoughts and actions and my words and how it impacts other people. Um, and there's a yeah. price on both ends, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, dude, but it is, it is funny. Um, okay. One of my questions, this has nothing to do with choosing. I want to, I want you to know that. Um, cause as we're talking about the, the parents having, uh, favoring kids and w out of the scenario of having to choose a very horrific choice, just in general here, and for the people on this very private podcast, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> uh, monkey. No, that is a lie. She <laughs> peed last night. She's our eight-year-old dog. She's the best dog in the world. Sweetest dog ever. She's a pit bull boxer. Everybody's like, oh, pit bulls, kids. Incredibly sweet when the kids were little. She peed in the middle of the night. And I woke up. Rude. And Kelly rolls off the side of her bed, almost steps in it. She's like, babe. And I was like, you son of a gun. Bubbles is getting there. Wait, She's still a puppy. She still shoots stuff. Bubbles, dude. Oh, wait. Hey, did you? How, so Monkey's eight. How old is, is Paxton again? Six. So you've had Monkey longer than... Okay, so that kind of is like your first... Yeah, that tracks. Kelly's That's first my favorite. Child. Well, here's the thing. Kelly um, had a toy poodle since high school that we... She passed two years ago. Um, R.I.P. Bella. I mean, she was like mine when we got married too, but Monkey was my first, first two child. Sorry, Pax and sorry, Ellie. Mm, that's okay. It's just one of those things, you know? Dude, one time I was talking to a dad and they brought up that idea of having a favorite kid and which kid's their favorite. And their response was, whichever kid I'm thinking about in that moment. And I thought that was an interesting, funny and fun and uh, maybe a good way to think about it because... That's so true. Yeah. Cause he was like saying like, you know, people, people ask that question as a joke and cause they, and they want you to say like, it's every, all my kids, I love them equally. But I think yeah. sometimes I'm like, realistically, realistically, is that, is that true? Um, I'm not a dad, so I have no idea. Uh, I have zero kids, but I think, I think, uh, hearing that was kind of interesting. Cause I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause then they truly can be all your favorite. It's whichever kid that's on your mind 
is your favorite at that time. And, and sure, then you can argue like, well, how often are they, you thinking about that kid and the frequency in, you know, it will be telling of who's actually your favorite. But I just thought it was a, a a fun, fun, uh, way to respond to that question was, or, you know, second best is to say your dog. So. No, that's a good point. Like, and I think people say, oh, I love the Mikuli. You love your kids so different. I, we thought that after we had Paxton, we're like, how could we love another child in the same way or just as much? And you don't love them in the same way at all. It's very different because each kid is completely different. They have their strengths, their weaknesses, just like us as humans do. So yeah, it's, it's a very different kind of love that I have for Paxton and I have for Ellie. Um, never ending for both of them. But yeah, they're completely different kids. And like, you know, everybody talks about like, boys, you know, you know, they grow up a lot of times they're mama's boys and daddy's girls, like they connect more with their dad. And like, um, so it's just interesting to see like, as they grow up, but yeah, you love them completely different. It's, it's very interesting, but, uh, monkey doesn't throw tantrums and is not, um, well, no, she, she pees in the middle of it. She pees. She Our pees kids on are floor, potty trained. Clearly monkey's not. So never mind. It might, I might have to change my answer. Does Monkey have a favorite parent? Absolutely, it's not even close. It's me. It's a. Th- it's not even close <laughs> remotely. Like, it, here's the thing. I will say this too: the kid's favorite parent is Kelly. Like, just straight up. There's no. When you ask a child who their favorite is, <laughs> they're not like PR. Oh, trying to be gentle and say they're like mom. Like, no, easy peasy, right? So we'll just get that out there. Kelly is the favorite. That's funny. But Mon- I am Monkey's favorite. A hundred percent. I'm looking at her right now and her tail's wagging and she doesn't know if she should get up or not. <laughs> what, kind no. of, what kind of dog is Monkey again? A pit bull boxer. A pit bull boxer. She's a little sweet. She's a little sweetheart. Bubbles, heard is, they're very Bubbles is awesome too. But Kelly is also Bubbles' favorite. So it's Interesting. Three, three, three to one. Three to one out of the, three to one. <laughs> out of the four living things. It's not particularly close. That's funny. Well, at least you have each other, dude. You guys are both each other's yeah. favorites. Yeah. Um, That's right, Monk. Well, cool, man. Do you have any... Uh, Wait, hold on. Hold on. Oh, Who's shoot. your favorite parent? What? Excuse me? Who's my favorite parent? Yes. It's whoever I'm thinking about at that time. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. I wasn't... I wasn't... I, I don't know if I was... I should ask my parents that. I don't even know if they listen to this podcast, but I should ask them when in elementary school, was I more of a mama's boy or a, a, a father's boy? Is that a thing? What's the, what's the, so I know yeah, it's like daddy's yeah, girl like, and, and mama's boy, but then what's the de- the dad's son? <laughs> Is there, I don't know, but it's gotta be terminology for it, but yeah. what? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, uh, I think just being the middle child and being the weird individual that I am. Um, and I was very much so a right and wrong like black and white thinker when I was a kid. Um, very opposite from more, I, or no, I shouldn't say opposite, just very different than who I am as an adult. Uh, so I, that would be a funny question to ask because I'm, I'm sure if my parents asked me like, hey, who's your favorite Who's your favorite uh, parent? And I was a kid, I would have gave some weird logical analytical response uh, that was very Instead like, just, Mom, Dad. black and white. That's like, hey, there's no emotion here. This is just what it is. Like, because I was, dude, I would get in I have trouble. A question, when, then, were you or Desi or your younger sister, who was, who had, or maybe it's all three of you, had a really close connection with your parents, like shared everything, came home, spilled the beans, the drama, like did any of you? 
Not to out um, I think anybody. Desi, yeah, yeah, no, I think Desi was really close. My sister was the, you know, obviously the only girl in the family. So I think in, el- in, in elementary school, we all had different relationships because of those dynamics. Um, mm. Yeah. My sister being the baby of the family and being the only girl and then me being the middle child in the second. And me and Desi are really close in age. We're 16 months apart. Me and my sister are two years apart. So we were we were all fairly close in age. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if I, I'm pretty sure I was a little snitch, dude. I'm pretty sure I would, I would come home and tell, like rat on people or tell on people. I'm pretty sure I told on my brother quite a bit of times. But it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't out of like, my relationship or love for people, it was like, no, this is the right thing to do. Like there's a right and wrong and, and people shouldn't be wow. saying curse words. So I got to go tell someone, I don't know. I think, I think that that would be my, and like I said, I, I, I should, I should ask my parents more about that. Cause it's a funny, that would be a funny uh, conversation. Cause in high school, I, I did not have a good relationship. Uh, I was more distant from my parents. Um, and so uh, elementary school was different though. It was a different time and it was a, and then we did one year of middle school in, in California and one year here and yeah, dude, they're kind of a blur. I don't really remember too much about a lot of that. And I think once I got into high school is when I started shifting from that right and wrong oneness, you know, doing, you know, black and white thinking. And I started shifting to more gray, more free thinking about certain things. Cause dude, yeah, I was, a I was a little wild child with some of that when I was a when I was a kid. Um, Who would win in a fight? You were Desi. Oh, well, Desi would say Desi. I would say me, but you know, the Desi's, Desi's the, the only one that's actually like had to defend himself for his life. And so and that's he's, true. He's been jumped like three times and I've never really had to punch anyone outside of like, Hey, let's go bodies. No headshots uh, in the, <laughs> James Monroe bathroom. No. Um, <laughs> that is the most wild thing that people did. Like, I, I just bodies right, right now. Just, just go that into, is insane that we yes. used to do that. And the fact that we used to go into the middle school bathroom. I was like, dude, if a, a teacher walked in there and there was just like eight dudes in there surrounded and two of them were just beating the shit out of each other. Like, what kind of... But no, no, we're cool. We're cool. Like, we're not... It's all good. No, no. In high school, I started. We started saying, uh, "I think it was Johnny, or maybe it was even college. I can't remember." They'd say, "Face shots, no uh, faces only, no bodies." <laughs> it's the opposite. Faces, let's go faces. <laughs> and no one's like, "Nah, I'm good." But yeah, yeah. no, it was that wasn't a, a a an app. It was ludicrous, dude. Like, yeah, I don't understand. It's all those middle school trends, dude, or even high school, like that whole era. Like, yeah, what was wrong with us, dude? Like, there was there was the, like the this going thing bodies. That we do- do you, are you gonna say Holding when you used breath? to ch- like cut your you hold your breath and have someone slam against you against the wall and you pass out? Dude, we used to do that at the park. We'd I just know go you to used to spots. do that. Dude, what in the world? I knew it. You would be someone. Yeah, dude. I don't understand. I don't understand any of that, dude. We used to yeah and snort Smarties. I don't know why we thought that was cool. Absolutely, <laughs> we used to crush those things up. But um. Yeah, man. Gosh. I'm glad we're adults now. We yeah. don't do any of that crazy stuff anymore, you know? Oh, man. All right, dude. Would you have any uh, real final thoughts or do you want to ask me another divisive question about who my favorite 
family members are. Uh, we'll save that for next time. Okay. Okay. Uh, so was this a full movie, Eric, for you? Very close. I think if I would have gone into it with like a sick and demented mind like you and laughed at dying kids, um, I think <laughs> I would have laughed. I had the other two emotions for sure. Um, I was definitely scared and uneasy. I cried for sure. Shed a tear. Um, but next time I'll channel a little bit of, uh, ludicrous psycho energy like Josh and, and laugh at dying people on screen. So almost there for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I almost, I almost teared like the, at the, the, when, when Bob's eyes started bleeding, that was the scene that could have made mm -hmm. it, uh, 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 emotional tears of, of, of sadness. And cause I did just feel, I could feel the weight of that, man. That was a brutal, brutal scene. Um, and the son just sharing about his best friends and he has three and the two, two boys and a girl at school. It was just hard to watch. It was almost like I knew like, Hey, I know I, in that moment you're like, Oh yeah, Bob's done. Bob's going to go. Um, mm. which was really sad, but I didn't, I didn't drop any tears and I, I laughed. And I think, I think it was one of those movies too, that I didn't think it was going to hold me in thought. I thought I would watch it and it was good. And then I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to move. But, move on. But then this morning when I was talking to Drew more about it, I was like, oh, okay, never, no, this, I think it, there's some aspects that held me in thought much longer than I thought it would. And I just think the performance in itself, um, man, yeah, they were, they, they gave us, that movie gave us quite a bit to think about, especially as you start like just yeah. digging into it. So, um, I didn't mind it, but yeah, not, not a full movie though. Do I do oddly though. I do recommend it. Love that. Same here. I've been doing it for, also, I've been I'm just for a, six years. A big Barry Ke Keoghan fan. Uh, so I'll watch anything now. But shout out Barry. Shout out Barry. All righty. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to yet another episode of Living a Stream podcast with Eric and myself. This is a Three Milks production produced by Eric and myself. And if you want to get episodes sent to directly to your inbox, go ahead and subscribe to our Substack in the show notes. Um, this is where we'll release. We'll send you emails uh, when these episodes drop. And every now and then you will get bonus content that's only posted on Substack and not on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. And speaking of Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you enjoyed the show, please uh, leave a rating and a review on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you didn't um, like the movie, you can text Eric at 5057. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you son of a Just let gun. Eric know. Let's jump into the chat. Um, let us know if you hated it, and that would be fun. All right. Well, take it easy. Have a good rest of your week, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Keep streaming. Keep living.